This is Larry Weissin, and you're listening to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Killing Sticks Arrows are for the serious hunter, a company that understands the needs of the outdoorsman and provides five different styles of carbon fiber arrows, ranging from hunting to tournament arrows. If you want premium carbon fiber arrows, go to KillinSticks, K-I-L-L-N-S-T-I-X.com to review their carbon arrows. For listeners of the Outdoor Adventures with Jason show, use promo code OUTDOORS to get 10% off your first order. Killing Sticks, where the blood trail begins. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. This was a really fun episode. I got to catch up with Cameron Kenzer. Cameron works for Safari Classics Productions out of Dallas, Texas. They put on three different shows that we talk about in here. Got Dallas Safari Club's Tracks Across Africa, Hornady's Dark and Dangerous, and Trishicon's World of Sports Afield. Three classic shows that you can find on the networks to catch up. We discuss the FTW Ranch. We discuss a number of other topics that I hope you find of interest. So sit back, enjoy, and I hope you like this episode. Head out to iTunes or Google Play and please leave a review for the show. It helps others find the show. And also, make sure to go over and check out KillinSticks.com. Those guys are really putting together a great product. Give them a call. Discuss your arrow needs. They will spend the time to talk with you and help you find out the arrow that works best for you so that you can have a great product as you go out in the field this coming fall. It's getting that time where you want to be out there practicing a lot, so give the guys at Killing Sticks a call. Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond, I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Welcome to this week's episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Very excited because today my guest is just a world-traveled videographer, hunter, production assistant for a company called Safari Classics Productions. And I've got Cameron Kenzer on the line. Cameron, how are you doing today? I'm not too bad. How about yourself? Really good. I really appreciate you coming on because I get to talk to a lot of folks who are sometimes in front of the camera, but the most important work as far as i'm concerned is the work that takes place behind the camera that's who makes the actual star and that's you well i appreciate that and i would i would agree i'm you know that i think it's i think it's 50 50 to be honest well maybe even less than that i think the host is a a big thing but you know there is a lot that goes behind the lens you work for a, a company called safari classics productions currently there's three shows in production right now which are dark and dangerous sports afield and tracks across africa uh, how are they similar and how are they different? Well, so basically all three are uh, international big game hunting. So that's where, that's where we start. One of them, uh, Trichicon's World of Sports Afield, um, is actually uh, worldwide. That goes all six continents that you can hunt on. Hunted rams in Mongolia. We hunt sheep in, uh, in the Yukon, uh, just pretty much anywhere. Whereas Dark and Dangerous and Tracks Across Africa are both uh, within the continent of Africa. So now Tracks Across Africa and Dark and Dangerous, they differ on, on the way that we set up the, uh, the TV show and the format. So basically the way that a, uh, an episode of Tracks plays out is that you take an episode of just an individual on a hunt. So that can be, that can be Dan um, in Zimbabwe. He's hunting you know, three different big game species, um, and we'll follow that for one 30-minute episode. 
Whereas in dark and dangerous, we're going to bounce around from client to client or individual to individual. So Dan could be hunting in Zimbabwe and then Jason could be hunting in Tanzania. Um, and then somebody else could be hunting in Cameroon. Uh, we're going to b- bounce from segment to segment to each of those areas. So we do a lot of, a lot of hunting in Africa on those two shows, but sports afield is pretty much anywhere you can hunt. When you talk about this, this is not just you talking about shows you've sat up in the Dallas headquarters and, and edited. Uh, you actually last minute got called on a pretty neat hunt for sports, Trishikon's, uh Sports Afield uh, last year. You accompanied Dan Catlin of the Wildlife Gallery to where? I went to Mongolia with with Dan just last year, actually, I think about nine months ago. And who thinks about going it, to Mongolia? Only the most hardcore of big, uh, big game sheep hunters. Big sheep hunters, uh, that's kind of the mecca. Yeah, I didn't even know about Mongolia until about two years ago for being a, a world-class hunting destination. But, oh my gosh, was I surprised when I showed up there. The, they're the biggest sheep in the world, the Argali sheep species. And it's, it's an unbelievable experience if you ever get the opportunity to go to Mongolia. Tell me a little bit about what happened. You weren't planning on that hunt. No, I was not. I actually was um, down in uh, New Braunfels the weekend before. I was taking a, a little vacation uh, floating the Guadalupe River, thinking that I was leaving for Colorado to film a black bear hunt the next week. Uh, and I showed up to the office on Monday. My coworker uh, and editor, Christy, she she looks over at me and says, I need to start charging my batteries for my cameras because I'm leaving. And I said, no, I leave for Colorado in two days. And she said, no, we've actually had some uh, issues with our other cameraman and you're headed to Mongolia in 19 hours. So um, that was quite the uh, wake up call for a Monday morning. Mm. <laughs> Nothing like uh, a lot of lead time on that one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have much prep work for that one. Let's just put it that way. Um, so yeah, I was I was kind of expecting uh, the Colorado air, and then I uh, realized I was actually going to be having to uh, learn Mongolian in about 19 hours. So that was huh. that was quite interesting. You um, accompanied uh, uh, well, and actually, I believe Dan was already there by the time you got tapped on the shoulder to take off. He was. He was actually already in contact with us. In fact, and that was that was even another step. So you're dealing with the fact that. It's a 13-hour time difference, and so we're trying to talk to Dan while he's awake for the brief window he can talk to us. And then on top of that, my boss that was giving the go-ahead to get me there was down at the FTW ranch um, where cell signal's pretty rough. And so we were having to line all this up in a 15-minute window where I'm sitting here waiting to figure out whether or not I need to go get my passport, my bags packed, um, and my batteries charged to leave for Mongolia. So all of that happened we fast forward about 38 hours later once I got on the first plane ride and I'm in Mongolia uh, with about three hours of sleep for the last three days. It was, it was quite the whirlwind and in all fronts. Oh, I bet. I can't imagine that whole process had to be completely exhilarating, but at the same time, one, when you're, you're kind of not expecting it, it's like, Holy smokes. It was, it was quite the shock. I mean, the culture shock, uh, just, the lack of sleep, the jet lag. Um, if you've ever been mountain hunting, you can you can understand that when you're when you're going up mountains at the time, it can be pr- quite brutal, um, uh, pretty exhausting. So just everything was a whirlwind of emotions and just a lot of shock and surprise. Um, but looking back, it's got to be the most most memorable experience of my life. Well, and one of the things you mentioned is. Uh, you guys work editing, filming for these these shows. 
but you'll mm-hmm. also do it for individuals that contact Safari Classic Productions. So if they've got a, a big five dangerous hunt, uh, uh, epic safari they're going on or anywhere in the world, you all can uh, work with them to film it so that they have it for the remainder of their lives. Can you not? Uh, yes, for the most part, um, most of our client edits is what we call them, just for individual edits, um, would run through Africa. But yeah, sometimes if people call up and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a bear hunt here, you know, I'm doing a black bear hunt in Utah or, or Colorado, we can take that and use it for our World Sports of Field show if, if they want to actually be on the show. You know, we can, we can do that for sure. But for the majority of our things, we do it in Africa. We have a full-time staff over in Africa, and then we have uh, us, obviously, that can edit those episodes. You get all that raw footage from uh, your African team, which I'm assuming is South Africa, or I see Zimbabwe as well? Zimbabwe is actually our predominant place that we go to. We have cameramen that live in South Africa, but most of our hunting takes place in Zimbabwe, and that's a little bit of everywhere there. We uh, we have a, a conservancy, a Nunetsi Conservancy, down in the southeastern region of Zimbabwe, and then we also hunt from time to time up in the Zambezi Valley, which for a long time was, that was where we hunted about 80% of our time. And so people were going over there if they were hunting through uh, our our main outfitter, Chafudi Safaris, we always offered the opportunity for them to get their hunt filmed by our cameramen, and then we would turn around and edit it for them to have a DVD for, for a lifetime. Um, it's amazing, you know, to be able to get to record those memories um, and get to have them um, in a, in a, on a DVD or, in fact, even on Vimeo for the rest of their lives. So, uh, yeah, we've, we've been doing that opportunity for 15 years now. So we've been filming a lot in Africa. Yeah, Africa has always been a dream destination of mine, and it wasn't until years later, after watching lots of tracks across Africa and and a number of shows like that, uh, but primarily tracks across Africa was one of my favorites, that I finally went and knew nothing, knew nobody, but booked a safari in Zimbabwe and spent nine days there uh, hunting in South uh, I guess South Central uh, Zimbabwe, and what an amazing time! You know, uh, Africa is just—it's uh, a once-in-a-lifetime place. You—you you really don't understand how amazing it is until you're there, the, until you get your boots on the ground. And you know, there's so many great writers over the years that have talked about it, and they've—you know—they've romanticized it. But I mean, you really can't truly understand how amazing it, it's just in a whole other world once you've once you've stepped on the ground over there. Yeah, and I, I would suggest it to everyone if you have the opportunity, just don't pass it up. It's it's an amazing place. Yeah, I always tell folks that, you know, there's all these anti-hunting organizations that work very hard to make you think that trophy hunting or just what I prefer to call just hunting is wrong. And they've, they've based their views on a Disney version of Africa. But once you get in the ground, it's so much more than what Disney makes it out to be what people that have never been there really can't even grasp how amazing a place it is. So I encourage everybody, you know, contact a place like Safari Classics, hook up with their Chifudi Safaris and work with them. Let Cameron edit your video. It's not a place you'll ever soon forget. Absolutely not. You know, I spent a, a month over there just two years ago, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't just wish I was back there on on the ground. It's it's a truly remarkable place, and you know, until you've been over there as well, I I like what you've said. You know, the anti-hunting organizations they try to preach this whole outlook that you know hunters are decimating certain areas, and it's just a barren wasteland when. In fact, in places like Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe, some of the most wildlife game-rich places are hunting conservancies. 
So you're seeing just some of the most plentiful herds of wildlife that are left in Africa. And it's it's an incredible place for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, they're generally terrible spots for cattle, livestock. Mm-hmm. And imagine that. These animals that develop there naturally over thousands of years do quite well. And so to see herds of giraffe, uh, I never thought I would go and see so many giraffe in an area and not be able to see them until you're right up on them because it, of the size they They're there. incredible species. You know, I totally agree with that. And it's you see these pictures of these animals out on... A lot of times they're taking it out on a grassland, and so you see them, and you're like, man, those uh, the markings on that animal are so beautiful. But they're always working for just the most natural camouflage you can think of, and it's amazing some of those creatures, zebra and giraffe being two of the ones that I remember the most of how amazing it is that they can hide being such big-bodied animals, especially giraffe. I mean, you're right, just towering creatures, and you don't see them until you're about two feet away from them. We're used to seeing them in zoos. We're used to seeing them very clean and in an enclosure with maybe one or two trees. And for anybody listening, I I use, and Cameron, you'll get this being where you grew up, Zimbabwe, the area where I was at, was very much like the hill country, very thick. The Mopani trees were like live oak trees. And these giraffe are not clean. Their their hides are dirty and dusty. And they, they disappear. They just flat out disappear. I couldn't agree more. You know, there's... There's parts of Zimbabwe that are like the hill country. There's parts that are like South Texas where, you know, your only your only openings are in South Texas. We call them senderos. And, you know, in Zimbabwe, they're just roads. And once you're off the path, you know, five feet away, it's so thick that you can't see your hand in front of your face. And so you come across an animal like a giraffe or an elephant and you're just shocked that you're only five yards away from them and you hadn't seen them until this moment. Exactly. And and speaking of hunting and conservation, you mentioned something before we hit the record button, and it's it's really neat. I belong to a group here in Texas called the Dallas Safari Club. Uh, They're based out of Dallas, hence the name, and they're a premier conservation organization in the field of hunting. And you have a very neat tie-in with that. Would you explain that to the listeners? Yes, sir. Um, I am actually their social media manager. I run their the Dallas Safari Club's Facebook and Instagram, as well as the Dallas Safari Club Foundation's Facebook. Um, and, and in fact, I even run the Dallas Safari Club Conservation Society's Facebook, um, which is their younger members. So I'm very largely tied to Dallas Safari Club, and I definitely stand for everything that they that they they stand for. So I, I love their organization. I, I spend a lot of time with them. And I've mentioned uh, on the show before and, and did a few somewhat live podcasts from the Dallas Safari Club's convention. Uh, but can you give a little bit of background or not background, but your take on the convention and when you go, what, what your feelings are when you're there and what, what it's like? Absolutely. In fact, I think I probably have a, it's basically the whole reason I'm in this industry, if, if I'm being honest. I, uh, my dad and I wanted to go get the autograph from Craig Boddington when I was about 17 or 18, and he was going to be at the DSE show, and I was in Dallas at the time, and we went and went up there to go get his autograph, and we fell in love with the convention itself, because it's it's like nothing else that you can go to, and uh, especially in the state of Texas. It's got, I think it's close to 14,000 exhibitors, uh, exhibitor booths. It's miles and miles of, of booth space, and it's over four days. We have 50,000 people come through our doors in, in a four-day span. And you can see hunts from any of the any of the places on earth that you can hunt legally. You know, we've got obviously by the name Safari Club. There's a lot of hunts in Africa, but there's hunters from Southeast, er, hunters from Asia. There's hunters from Europe. There's hunters from South America. It's 
it's an amazing place. And everybody, uh, everybody in that convention center all stand for co- the conservation through hunting's uh, message. And um, it's just a, a, a great, uh, it's a great event. Uh, I would strongly suggest anybody to come, come out and come to Dallas this year in January to come see our convention. It's an unreal site. And, and as you indicated, I've made contacts there for hunting in Manitoba uh, that I, as I put together my bucket list of places that I want to go, Manitoba, Alberta, a extremely great gentleman I spent time talking to from Mexico for uh, for cow's deer and for Gould's turkey. And the list goes on and just some stand-up gentlemen and people from Africa, the true legends like John Sharps, uh, Johan Kalitz, and some of these guys that are just classic names in the in the safari world. Absolutely. I mean, you're going to see almost anything you can possibly think of when it comes to international big game hunting or interna- international hunting in, as a whole. You know, when I when I got into this, I was just a big bird hunter. I'm a, I'm a huge duck hunter. I mean, it was amazing. You could find hunts in Alberta for, for ducks. You could find hunts in Argentina, hunts in Uruguay. It's We've just got hunters from all over the world. It's an amazing experience. And like you said, any of the legends that you can think of are going to be there. Uh, Jim Shockey's there every year. Uh, you know, people, any of the big names that hunt around the world are going to be there. And it's it's an amazing experience. And, you know, a lot of the DS members like to talk about it. It used to be a, just a small Dallas Safari Club, a local chapter, and um, so people could could go to the convention and, and see everything in one day. And, and now it's a miracle if you can get, get it done in two. It's just an incredible place to go to. I uh, have limited mobility, so I move around with a cart. And even with a cart, I was hard-pressed to do that show in two days. There's stuff I know I missed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I run their social media, so I'm on that floor for six days, uh, including moving in. And I, I can tell you, I still haven't met everybody. There's, I've been doing it for two years now and I still haven't met a, a, every single person in there. And I don't think it, I will until for quite some time. Well, and I'll definitely be, uh, texting you when I get up there this year, because it's a, it's a must attend event. And for anybody that's not in the local area, get yourself a hotel room. If you're into conservation and hunting and you've got budgeted to attend one show for the year, this is the one as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. And, and I think you hit a good point on there as well, Jason, in the fact that for those that have been reoccurring guests that come, it's, it's almost like a family. You show up and you see old faces and you meet new ones. And every year you're just excited for the DSC show to come back around so you can reunite with your buddies and, and talk about trips and talk about future hunts. Um, it's, it's an experience that you have to attend. And yeah, if, if you're looking for a place to, to go to book your premier hunting destination to book a bucket list hunt, you got to choose Dallas if you're, if you're asking me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you'll find, if you can't find it, it's not legal to hunt. Exactly. As far as the big name people that you'll know from the television industry, I have yet to meet one of them there that wasn't 100% approachable and loved to talk hunting. They're hunters, just like everybody else. So Jim Shockey, all of them, they're very approachable people. They get a lot of people coming to them, but they are very approachable and willing and, and loving to talk. Absolutely. You know, we see it uh, time and time again, the hunters, whether they're big names or whether they're just your average guy on the street, we all have one passion and that's the outdoors and that's hunting. All these guys are more than happy to talk to you. Um, again, it's that family personality. It's just, it's, 
you get out there and you want to go talk to somebody, they're going to be more than happy to talk to you and answer your questions. And they may even talk your ear off. It's a great place. And, you know, they're all there for the same message, which is we want our future generations to enjoy hunting like we do. So we're all there to, you know, make those dreams true. And then we're also all there to to support Dallas Safari Club's mission, which is to ensure that the, the conservation of wildlife continues so that we can have our future generations hunt. So, yeah, it's just it's an incredible experience, you know, getting to meet these people and getting to talk to them. And I can't I couldn't agree more. They're extremely friendly. So I look forward to seeing you there. You mentioned something that your dad took you there. And your dad, he runs an online store selling duck calls. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I guess about 10 years ago, um, we started a call company called The Quack Shack. And our big thing is we are a Texas-based call maker, which um, you don't see all too often in the duck hunting industry. But we fell in love with waterfowl a long time ago. And um, my dad decided that he thought he made uh, had designed a call that was very easy to use and it kind of took off from there uh, we still still run it uh, quack shack duck calls we're out of based out of fort worth texas um and, but we can ship all over the country and uh yeah i i'm a little bit biased but i would say it's the easiest call to, to use on the market neat now did you tell me did i understand right that the website is quackshacktexas.com that's correct quackshacktexas.com we also um, have a facebook quackshack duck calls um and an instagram uh, quack check so yeah we're, we're posting all of our anything that we're doing out in the field when it comes to duck hunting um, as well as other people's ventures with our calls and it's not not just that um like i said i'm a passionate hunter in, in all aspects and so we'll we'll post a lot of our adventures when it comes to anything else that we're doing out there in the hunting world very cool so you've come up with a growing up in the industry being taught the passion now you're working on both the filming and the production side of it when i talk with folks you know, I do the production of my podcast uh, because I enjoy learning the aspects of it. But I also do a little bit of video production here and there, not as much as some do for their own items. Could you give a listeners a tip or two of things that they could maybe easily consider implementing to make their videos that much more, let's say, professional looking? Um, yeah, for sure. You know, a lot of people get intimidated because they see these, you know, professional softwares and these high-end cameras. They worry, you know, there's just no way that I can make my product look like that. And you'd be amazed the amount of time that a lot of this footage that's being used is, you know, it's last second. You, you can't grab your high-end camera. And so you're, you're actually using your cell phone, you know, to make make some type of shot. And so there's a lot of uh, things that can actually help your product look professional, even if it's just filmed on your basic iPhone. Especially in today in the 21st century, some of these phones film in incredible quality. And, you know, I would say my biggest thing, I'm a big music guy. I was raised watching a lot of shows that, that influenced that, uh, things like Walker's K Chronicles growing up, where there's just a lot of iconic music growing up that I could always hear that would make a film or a short film uh, that much more impactful. And so my biggest suggestion to people when they're filming is if you can find a piece of music that makes something come to life, it's going to be that much better. And you just be surprised next time that you're watching something that you're really enjoying um, any short film that's online, just take a step back and just listen to what you're hear, what you're watching, and it, you'll be amazed to notice. Okay, that kind of song brought that kind of emotion. It's pretty important that when you're when you're creating some type of project, whatever it is, to think about the music that you're using with whatever film that you're making. Yeah, you'll see that out of any movies in general. Uh, even somebody my age think about the opening and the ending music for Star Wars. Uh, there's a great example. Absolutely. I mean, how many movies can you think of or TV shows 
or you know any anything commercials how many of those do you you're sitting there with your buddies and you're talking about it and you immediately start humming the tune it's a very important piece that i think a lot of uh, people that are just starting when it comes to making their own projects they're not thinking of is the type of music that they use is very important I, yeah i mean one of my favorite films to watch is a river runs through it and i can tell you that if you went and listened to their music it's some of my favorite stuff i I'll listen to that soundtrack just by itself any day. Oh, neat. I'll have to check that out. It's been years since I've seen that movie. So it, it's not necessarily that you need high-end editing software. Uh, you could use iMovie or any of the older Apple products, or if you have Adobe, great, the Adobe Suite. But just the addition of, say, what do you think about somebody picking up, say, a gimbal uh, to use to help steady out just footage they use from their iPhone or from their Samsung? Absolutely. I would agree 100%. There's a, that's another big thing that you can do that anybody can do, which is stabilizing your, your footage. And if you can't get a gimbal, then just make sure that when you're using your cell phone or using your basic camcorder to have it stable, either a tripod or something that you can keep your recording device still. That will just bring a lot more quality to your image just right off the bat. Um, and yeah, it, it doesn't take, uh, in today's world, I mean, you know, Apple is becoming easier and easier for you get for you to get affordable products to edit with. And just taking that extra step to make sure your image is stable is is a big deal. And like you said, even some of these, uh, DJI makes a product called the Osmo. Um, it's, it's $500 and it's a, it's a little camera that it comes with a built-in gimbal. Um, and that's an amazing little product that you can, we even use it on our shows, uh, from time to time. It's just a great little product to have, uh, that keeps that image stable and gives you another creative look to your shot. You know, on, on top of that, these drones that are coming out these days, as long as you're filming, you know, um, in the outdoors where you're not having to deal, make sure you go through the proper registrations is basically what I'm saying. But at, once you do that, some of these drones these days are extremely affordable and produce really cool shots. Um, it's just all about that, that little extra step to make your product a little bit more uh, creative that drones and i believe dgi has an even more moderately placed entry-level drone coming out sometime this year that should really get the masses hopefully using them because you'll watch videos and there's a couple of times i've seen them and i'm like that's a really cool shot and then i realize absolutely off in the distance you can see somebody sitting in the boat with the remote for the drone and i'm like oh i didn't even think you know it, it would have required a helicopter production crew or a flyover from a plane up in Canada to get a shot like that before. And now it's $1,000 or less, and you can add that type of cinematography effect uh, fairly easy to your movies. Exactly. Um, yeah, the product you're thinking of is called the Spark. It's no bigger than your hand. Um, it's about the size of a, a Galaxy S8, and it's going to bring to bring to the mainstream world a very affordable drone that can film in 1080p and give you that little extra creative look to a shot. Um, you're totally right. You know, it's an amazing opportunity we have today in, in, in today's world where 20 years ago, you had to have a helicopter and some high-end camera to get a get a shot like that. But now you have a, a drone that's under a thousand dollars that you can film pretty pretty creative aspects. And it's just all about now that you have that product, how can you use it to make a shot that's creative? So just think of an angle that you've seen before. You can always watch videos on YouTube and videos on Facebook and think, okay, that was a really cool shot. Now, how did they film that? And then take that into your own project and see how you can make or recreate that, that type of angle uh, with those drones and with those Osmos, whatever you're using. Just, just always thinking about how can I make this shot 
more creative and use an angle that is a different perspective on a shot. If I've got all this footage put together, but maybe I'm a little bit nervous on how to put it into a, say a final product or anything like that. Could any of the listeners reach out to you and either ask for tips or even hire you to do it? Absolutely. You know, I'm more than happy to help people out there. So I'm more than happy to help people with anything. You know, I love teaching people some new, new ways to film and more creative ideas. Um, And it's always beneficial to go to someone, anyone and ask them, can you watch this? And can you tell me something that you see that you would change? Because you're editing whatever and you're sitting there and you're looking at it over and over again. And you can start picking apart something that may not even need picking apart. Um, where somebody else's eyes could have seen something right off the bat that would have helped you. So I'm more than happy to help. Um, The best way to contact me is to direct message me on my Instagram. So if anybody out there wants some help with a a project, a project that they're doing, uh, I am more than happy to help. Cool. And in the show notes, I'm going to have a link to your Instagram uh, so that anybody can reach out to you that way to follow you. I'll also have a link to the Safari Classics production page. You guys have some amazing videos through there that are for sale. You know, any of the classic Craig Boddington videos, is there a chance that any of these will be converted over to Blu-ray? We haven't done that yet. Um, we've we've done a little bit where we've actually brought them to Vimeo, but we're currently just DVD only for those uh, projects that you're thinking of. Um, but we do have a lot of products out there that are on uh, Facebook and Vimeo where you can just watch for free, which are you know awesome to watch. Uh, like I said, we've been filming for almost 15 years now, so we have a lot of product that you know just the amazing hunts in Africa and amazing hunts worldwide where you can go watch just with a couple clicks of a button on on online. The stuff that you guys may see when you're doing your video production, you've got to see all sorts of just interesting things as you come across and edit these videos for for customers. Absolutely. Um, I've got just an infinite amount of stories that I've, I've either seen personally, I've seen through our footage, or I've heard the stories. Just There's just so many different things that can go on over, over in Africa. Um, and it's amazing that you said our Boddington on Buffalo DVD we created – uh, over 10 years ago now, and it's still one of the most watched African DVDs of all time. I and mean, so you'll you'll hear people from all over the world that have seen that film. film and um, but yeah, uh, I would definitely. It does amaze me how many people. I would say, go, just looking from an outsider's perspective, it amazes me a lot of how many people go over to Africa and spend you know all these resources and go on their once in a lifetime hunt that that aren't prepared for every situation. You would think that you would take that time and there's so many different resources that you can use to to practice to learn what you need to be doing when you're over in, in Africa and it amazes me and it's you know every PH has a story where something went crazy um, because of a client so yeah there are quite a quite a bit of stories my bosses have spent a majority of their adult lives over in Africa filming shows going on hunts um, et cetera, et cetera. And, they always talk about a big deal with a lot of people. They, they get so excited and they see these DVDs and they see these animals and they see these charges. And a lot of people say, man, I'd love to see a charge. We always say that, you know, you, you want to see a charge until you're in that situation. Um, and then it's, it's no laughing matter when you're right on top of it. It's quite, these animals are very dangerous. They're, they're, the, they're the big five for a reason. And so, yeah, I mean, they make for some incredible stories, but I think if I'm going over, I, I want to be prepared, well prepared. You know, even with the best of intentions, I have a friend that's a PH, and he took a Cape Buffalo at four yards. So, mm-hmm. you know, every one of them, as you said, has got that story. 
it's interesting. You talk to anybody that goes to Africa and does it enough is going to come back with these stories of the one that almost got them. But I can tell you the first animal I shot was a zebra and my gun was great. My Hornady ammo was fantastic. It was the shooter that was the problem. And <laughs> you get so nervous. At least I did. This is the start of something you've maybe dreamed about for years. You've never done it before. You're looking at an animal that is, you know, not an animal you see every day. And the first time you pull up on that, it's it's so many emotions going through that I completely flubbed the shot. And luckily, it wasn't as bad as I make it out to be because the, the zebra still, we, we took him. But it wasn't as clean as it should have been. That happens to almost everyone. I mean... You definitely need to go over as prepared as possible because there are so many factors that are going to go into you being over in Africa that are going to cause situations where you need to be ready. I mean, there's the jet lag, there's the culture shock, there's the fact that if you're coming from America, you know, you see these animals on TV and you think that you understand how big they are, but I don't know about you, but the first time I saw a zebra, I mean, they're as large as an elk. It's They're huge, big, big-bodied creatures and even the most precise shots, these things are going to run for quite some time. They are tough, tough creatures. And so, yeah, you definitely want to go over as prepared as possible because you never know what's going to happen. I took my 30-odd six, and I used really good Hornady ammo, 180-grain round, and it worked. everything worked flawlessly. It was, like I said, but there was a few of the shots that were 100% hunter error, not equipment error. <laughs> and that happens, but, hey, you're in Africa, and I can totally understand why you'd be nervous. I don't know if you're a golfer, but for me, I'm a big golfer and some, you know, a three foot putt on my driving range is, is as easy as cake, but going out and doing a three foot putt for the masters, I think would be a little bit different. So yeah. when you're pulling the trigger on a zebra in Africa, it's going to be quite nerve wracking, nerve wracking. I, I definitely understand. Well, and tell me without giving away any secrets, what's coming up next for Cameron? What you got any special hunts planned for this year? You know, currently, I don't really. Um, we've got a couple coming up uh, in the fall that may be interesting. Um, it's always a little bit last minute when it comes to if I go to Africa or not, so we'll see if I go over there. We'll see. But I'll definitely be filming some projects with Waterfowl. Um, as we talked about earlier, uh, we still run our, our duck call company, um, and I'd like to uh, spend a little bit more time with the younger members of Dallas Safari Club, the Conservation Society, this year, filming some hunts just with, with our younger members and showing the passion. Um, most people don't just start their careers hunting over in Africa. Um, it has to start somewhere. And so I really want to dive deep in with, with local hunters and with younger hunters, hunting ducks, hunting whitetail, hunting turkeys, um, just showing where the passion starts. Um, and so I want to make some really cool creative projects that you'll be seeing coming in the fall that we'll be uh, probably posting on our, our Facebooks, on our Conservation Society Facebook um, and on the DSC Facebook of just uh, showing people where they originally started, um, going back to their roots. Oh, very cool. I wish I could tell you that I was going on an exciting hunt. There is a project on the way, but I, I, I can't talk about it quite yet. But for the most part, I will be trying to dive deep into into filming a lot of hunts here in Texas and filming a lot of hunts with people uh, duck hunting and whitetail hunting and, and whatnot. Uh, for folks that have not been to Texas before, it's a cornucopia of animals to hunt uh, from the limited draw tags for things like bighorn sheep to the multitude of areas that you can go for whitetail, for hogs, exotics. I mean, you can't drive through the hill country and you'll go over a hill and there's an animal you had no clue you were going to see that day, whether it be a kudu 
whether it be a zebra. I mean, they're just, they're, everything's up there. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure you know all too well that there's, you see more axis sometimes when you do whitetail down in the, in the hill country, and that's an animal from India. So Texas has about everything and anything you can, you can hunt in, in North America. So yeah, it provides us ample opportunities to just get out and hunt. And I think it kind of goes unlooked sometimes that even the biggest hunters in the world love to get back to their roots and to go just on that basic whitetail hunt that they grew up loving. Um, that's, that's where their passion started. And so I definitely want to dive into that and show the, the love we do have for our wildlife and our wild places, and especially in our own backyards. Well, in Safari Classics uh, Productions, the website is safariclassics.net. You guys have partnered up with, as we mentioned earlier, Dallas Safari Club, but you've also got Hornaday, the Wildlife Gallery, Ruger, Trishikon, great sponsors, but there's one of them. Have you been to the SAM school? I have been out to FDW twice, and I can tell you that I'm very proud of that. That's one of my favorite places on earth. The FTW Ranch is a truly remarkable place. And tell the listeners, when they go out there, so let's say somebody contacts you guys uh, uh, and books a hunt for a leopard, which is not a cheap thing anymore. Chifudi Safaris, they're going to be going to a premier area in, in the Zimbabwe area. There's some of the best leopard you could hope to get your hands on. How can that SAM school help them? I think it's the best place on earth to go when it comes to preparing for a, for a premier destination. Um, and I think you're totally right that basically the Sam Safari was, or the Sam Shooting School was started by a couple of individuals that decided that, you know, there wasn't a place where you could go and truly understand how to properly, uh, properly shoot in, in a multitude of situations. And so they have two different courses, their Precision School and their Safari School. In the Safari School, they brought in a bunch of experts, a bunch of longtime hunters from Africa and asked them, what can we teach our students that would go above and beyond? They've put together just the most premier course on earth when it comes to preparing for a hunt. You know, I talked about it earlier. You're going to go over to a place where you've never been. You're going to be overwhelmed by a, a lot of different things. And so you want to be fully prepared. And so Sam has taken that opportunity and, and has brought this class where you can learn how to hunt. They've got simulations of leopards and trees. They've got simulations of buffalo charging you or elephants charging you. They've got simulations of, of hunting different types of plains game species where the, the simulated targets will pop up and your instructor will say, all right, we've got a we've got this animal at 150 yards. It's right here. And then you have to take that shot in a, in a certain amount of time. They've just, they're preparing you for any situation that may come come up uh, when you're in Africa. And they also have their precision class, which goes into anything else. If you're a big sheep hunter, you're spending just as much money as if you're going to Africa. And the last thing you want to do is go out there unprepared. You're going to be taking shots in areas where you may be winded, you're going to be in high altitude, and you're going to be taking some pretty long shots with lots of wind, lots of different climate conditions, and you want to be prepared. And so they've got you, they've got that uh, the Sam Precision course does that where they go into a multitude of different scenarios where you'll be taking shots at 150 yards, you'll be taking shots at 300 yards, and simulating all different types of events. If you if you shoot an animal and it's still up 
to take that second shot. They teach you how to properly function your bolt where that you can take multiple shots to make sure the animal is, is uh, harvested cleanly. It's just a wonderful place. And all the while, you're in one of the most beautiful areas of Texas um, and, and the Texas Hill Country, deep in the heart. And this world-class amenities, world-class dining, and just a world-class time. I highly suggest uh, FTW for anybody who's planning on going on a, a, a big game hunt uh, anywhere in the world. Yeah, anybody I've talked to that's been to it has nothing but... Uh, high marks to to give it for what you get out of it and and conversely what you put into it and what you take away it's one of those areas that's it's high on my as i said my bucket list of things to do and it has absolutely zero to do about going home with a trophy it's all about developing your skills as a hunter absolutely and you know you'll they'll take some of some people that are have hunted their whole lives uh some very high-end hunters. Some of the most world-class hunters out there have been to the the Sam Safari course and the Sam Shooting course, and they will learn something. There's always a little bit more that you can learn. But the best way I've heard of it is you see a lot of these guys that are big shooters, and they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm an advanced shooter. Well, you know, when I go out to go see a PGA Tour event and I go watch a golfer that's just shot a, some type of score that I could only dream of, what do they do after they're done? They, they go back and they practice again. And what are they doing before? They're practicing. You can always practice and you can always learn how to practice effectively. I and mean, that's what Sam's there for is, is to teach you new things and to teach you how to do them effectively. And, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's a wonderful place. Well, I appreciate that. Again, I, I can't tell you enough, Cameron, about how happy I am to have you on the show because it's really neat to, A, see all the great stuff that, you're younger than I am, and so I consider what you young guys are bringing into the business and into the, the sport and into the conservation lifestyle and what you plan on and giving uh, back to and, and doing for this conservation and sport that we all love. So I, it's really neat to see that. I was happy to have you on. The things you've shared have been fantastic for the listeners. And in the show notes, I'll have ways through both Instagram as well as the Safari Classics production Facebook page and website. Also the stuff that deals with Dallas Safari Club and all the items that deals with uh, your, your dad's website and Facebook page. So there should be a plethora of opportunities for folks to get in touch with you if they have questions. I, I look forward to meeting you up in January up at the Dallas Safari Club show. Absolutely. I can't wait. And it's a pleasure to be on. I'm always happy to talk about um, the outdoors and, and talk about hunting and my passion for it. So thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. And again, thank you. And again, I look forward to catching up with you. We'll talk soon. Have a great day.